SteinbachOnline.com, the voice of our community. All right, so as we do once a month, we have Mona Stock come in, and she brings in a guest. We talk a little bit about mental health issues. And today we're joined with Laura Benasaki, and we want to talk about alcoholism and how it's related to mental health. Laura, thank you so much for coming in today. Thank you for having me. All right, so I know it's a, it's a difficult thing to start, but let's get into your story and, and your battle with alcoholism. When did you start drinking? I would say I started drinking in my early teens. Um, basically to, to feel like I fit in. I always kind of felt like I was kind of an awkward teen. So it kind of gave me that, um, you know, that, that Superman cape to kind of feel like I belonged. Much like a lot of teenagers deal with, again, they, it's awkward. They don't, like you said, don't really fit in. Maybe they don't have the right clothes. It's really easy to kind of slip into whatever can get people to notice them or make them popular. It's really easy. And, and drinking is one of those things. Absolutely. Uh, when did you start to realize you maybe were, were developing a problem when it came to alcohol? Um, I think it was always kind of in the back of my mind that I didn't quite drink like other people, but I didn't think I had a problem because I thought I felt like I could go for, you know, long periods of time without drinking. But the moment I started drinking, um, I couldn't stop. So I would say probably about three years prior, I started t- talking to people and reaching out for help. Um, because I felt like my um, my issue with alcohol became worse and worse, and it's it's uh, progressive essentially as it, it went along. Yeah, so it goes from just being the you know a couple of drinks at a party, and then it starts to becoming a little bit more. Was it a slow ramp up to realizing uh, you, it was becoming an issue? Um, yeah, I would say I would say it was definitely a, a slow ramp up. Um, but as it as it did progress, um, it progressed uh, aggressively. I would say. As we pause with Laura's story, we jump to Mona, and you can already hear uh, battling the perceptions of a teenager, Mona. You could tell, like, maybe the mental mental illness was already starting to creep in at a, at a young age, and just finding that crutch, it's, it seems like that's a common theme with, with everybody battling a mental illness, is they find something to latch onto, and in this case, it's alcoholism, which is easy to, easy to get, easy to, to really abuse, and it's something that a lot of people struggle with. Absolutely. And um, I mean, we all want to be accepted and whether we're teenagers or whatever point of our lives that and it's, you know, a lot of them start um, drinking for liquid courage. Right. They want and it gives them that oomph that they need to step up. But very often that's to start the beginning of, you know, this journey that uh, can lead doesn't always but can lead to alcoholism. And if you're using that as a crutch, that is a warning. That's a sign. That's a red flag right there. Uh, Laura, back to your story. Uh, why would you drink? Do you remember, you know, the, some of the things that led up to uh, to you finding alcohol? Um, well, like I said, um, basically that liquid courage to feel like I, I belonged. I would feel like I could speak to people because I've always felt awkward um, without it. Um, and then there was a series of events uh, that happened through my life um, that I was uh, I was ashamed of. I was um, upset by and and pushing down those feelings uh, of that pain um, and suffering. It helped uh, mask um, what I was feeling. What about peer pressure? Did that ever come into it when you were younger or did you just kind of do it on your own? Absolutely. Peer pressure is definitely a a factor. Um, But again, I always enjoyed being able to have that drink to make me feel like I, I could speak to others. So 
yes and no for peer pressure. Again, so now we jump back to Mona. Uh, you hear uh, peer pressure, I think, is almost a given, especially when you're a teenager. But it, it, it doesn't stop just as teenagers. Peer pressure is an issue that you deal with as an adult as well. And if you are battling a mental illness, it can push you off the edge. Absolutely. Then you start to self-medicate, right? So you, you want to, like Laura was mentioning, she started going through some life issues, some struggles. And life's tough sometimes. And when you're reaching out, and that's, again, I'm giving red flags, when you're having to reach out for that drink to um, appease the pain or, or you need it or you're wondering, you know, I don't have alcohol, what am I going to do? These are really, really signs that there is a problem happening here. Would you agree, Laura? Absolutely. Um, self-medicating was something I did for years. Um, and, and I'm very happy to not have to do that anymore. Uh, looking back now that you've been four years uh, sober, when you look at those relationships that you had at that time when you were drinking, how did they deteriorate? What was kind of the people's thoughts around you like, your family and friends included? Well, my, uh, my friends started uh, alienating me slowly. Um, the only friends that I did have that stuck around were the friends mainly that were drinking with me. Um, and people just didn't want to be around me. My parents didn't want to be around me. My brother didn't want to talk to me. Um, though he still did, and my parents still did, I ended up getting an ultimatum that my parents gave me. Um, either choose um, a life of drinking and solidarity, or I choose um, the path of recovery. How big of a wake-up call was that for you, that you could lose your family? Because it, it seems like it's all fun and games. And then all of a sudden the brakes are slammed when they say it's either the bottle or it's us. How big of a wake up call was that? That was a huge wake up call for me. Um, I that's that scared me. That was that was for me. That was my my bottom. That made me realize that um, if I continued on the path that I was on, it was going to be a very very lonely life. Uh, family is extremely important to me, and without them, I I had nothing. Uh, Mona, back to you for just a moment. You hear Laura's story, and you talk about hitting bottom when it comes to potentially losing family. Uh, for those who are maybe know someone that is dealing with a struggle like Laura, it can be equally as hard on the family, if if not harder, watching somebody they love abuse themselves in certain ways. If you had advice for families that are maybe dealing with someone who may be down a path like Laura's, how would you give them advice, or what would you say? I would actually talk to them and say, like, you know, we're concerned you know to to make them aware and very often they know already in the back of their mind that there is a problem but um you know what having that discussion letting them know that this is not acceptable and there is ways that they can get help like just go to your local doctor you know there is community groups as well um you know i'm from niverville and i know there's a really good one in our town i'm sure steinbeck has one and all the in the city as well um I know Laura probably goes to some of her, and I think you need to surround yourself in a community of people that understand your struggle and are there for you to support you when you maybe are thinking of relapsing. Yeah, and even if you do, if you think you have a problem or you think you know someone who is developing a problem, go and talk to them early. Uh, do you remember the exact day you stopped, Laura? Do you remember the day you got sober? I do, June seventh, two thousand fifteen. Um, is the day I got sober and I stayed sober. I know it's not fair to say, do you wish you could have done it earlier? Because I'm assuming the answer would be yes, of course. <laughs> but in the last four years, since June 7th of 2015, just tell me what it's been like to, to rediscover life in a different way, uh, uh, just to actually live a life 
uh, without the binds of alcohol? Um, I, I absolutely wish that I would have started earlier, but I believe um, life sets us down a path. Um, and I believe that I needed to hit that rock bottom t- in order to to know that I couldn't go back. I needed to, to feel enough pain to be able to want to repair the pain that had continuously gone on in my life for years. Um, since I've been in... Um, a program I, you know, I, I surround myself in a fellowship of men and women who suffer from the same disease as I do. Um, they have been amazing and supporting, and and they have gone down a path previous to myself going down this path that can help me and guide me um, in in changing my life and living a life on uh, on life's terms. Um, I've been able to find um, a higher power, um, you know, a spiritual life, something greater outside of myself that can return me to sanity who can um, help guide me in my day-to-day life and I feel forever blessed for that because now I, I live a life with um, you know relationships that I'm repairing with friends and family um, and and um, and I'm able to spread spread the message and help others you know I think it's very important that um, I tell others and I tell my story so that I can help others realize that it is okay there is a way out Mona, uh, again, you hear Laura's story, and, and you know that she goes to a group with people who have suffered like that. And I find it so so strange yet so empowering that uh, you know so many people can feel alone by themselves for so long, and then they kind of come together, and they realize they're not alone. That shows a lot of mental strength to me. Absolutely. I, I mean, you used my word. I was going to say that she's very empowering. Um, these recovery stories that we hear, I just think that... Uh, it's important that we share our stories and that she is sharing stories and that um, so that we encourage the ones that are grabbing that bottle at nine o'clock in the morning you know um, I don't know what group of friends you're having but pour them a, uh, you know a cup of coffee instead and see if they're still there in a week uh, Laura you know, test your friends yeah a hundred percent and Laura for you just on, on top of that you, we're dealing in a world where you see it all the time there's alcohol in restaurants there's, you know, it's patio season now, so if you go out with friends for dinner, you know, there's going to be something. Even in television shows, movies, commercials, it seems to be everywhere. How do you deal with that, considering you're you're still in recovery and will be in recovery the rest of your life? Um, you know, uh, through working the, the steps of the program that I work, um, I am fortunate now to, um, you know, eventually once you get to a certain stage in your recovery, you recoil from it like a hot flame. Um, now I don't find um, that I need that to feel like I fit in. Um, when I'm offered a drink in public or somebody offers me a drink, I simply say no thank you. Um, you know, there's sometimes those times where people are going to offer you another drink. I find um, always being prepared and having a drink in hand, um, people stop trying to offer you those drinks. Um, and, and just um, be willing to say no. Um, choose your path uh, as I've chosen mine. And, and the life that I live now is, is just such a gift. And you, you just kind of have to accept that it's going to be there. And you just have to be mentally ready for that because it is, it's almost, uh, again, it's running into a wall sometimes because it's, it's always around. But you just have to be mentally ready. And when you think about everything you've gone through, not only in your life but in the last four years, do you feel you're mentally stronger and, and more capable of, of dealing with everything that comes up? Absolutely, um, absolutely mentally stronger. Um, 
I have a mindset now that I can't go back to that life of, of, of pain and suffering. I have a, a newfound um, way of living that is just far greater for me to ever go back to that, that lifestyle. Mona, uh, again, we talk about mental illness, and it's not anything that heals. I don't feel it ever 100% heals, uh, no matter what you're going through. When you hear Laura's story, and you know that other people are suffering, whether they're you know starting at 9 in the morning, or whether they wait until the evening and then you know go really, really hard. It's really, uh, there's there's extremes, of course, but maybe you're having just a, 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 you know six every night, or you're having a half a bottle of wine every night. It kind of, it slowly does do mental and brain damage. It does physically damage you, uh, alcoholism specifically. Well, and alcohol is a depressant. So it, now you're escalating everything as much as you think you're, you're putting, it's a Band-Aid. Let's put it that way. It's a Band-Aid. You got through the evening and tomorrow's going to start again. It's not a fix. So the only thing I can say is like I would strongly encourage by hearing Laura or in a story that, uh, that you go, you go get the help that you need. Uh, Laura, just a couple more before we let you go here. Uh, for parents that are listening and, and maybe they know their child maybe going down a path that they, they want to stop, what advice would you give parents? Because you've been that kid, you know what that kid is thinking and what they're doing. What advice would you give parents who are maybe uh, hearing this and dealing with something like this, this with their child? Um, I would say that you cannot enable your children. Um, um, don't allow the behavior to continue. Um, seek seek help from from the doctor. Um, there's Addictions Foundations Manitoba that can guide you, um, and they're fantastic. Um, every case is going to be different, so make sure that um, you're seeking that 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 help. And I, f- I find especially AFM has a wonderful um, program um, to guide you in the direction you need to go. Um, because there's people that are going to need to detox in a medical facility, whereas there's, you know, some people who are fortunate that, you know, that, that don't, and they can do it on their own. Um, but seeking that medical help um, is key and, and not enabling your, your children, not letting it happen. Whether you think you're not letting it happen, you are unless you put a stop to it. And same with those who are maybe going through it themselves. If you think you might be going through it, go and talk to someone because you can get help uh, at the early stages and maybe save years of your life. Absolutely. Uh, Just again, before we let you go, for any of the the kids struggling, for any adults that are struggling with alcoholism right now, what message would you have for them? Uh, Never give up. There is a way. There is um, a key to to living your life on a better path. Um, if I could have done it sooner, I would have. Uh, I believe that um, anybody who puts their mind to it and is willing to um, do the work uh, can re- uh, take the rewards, you know, and can reap the rewards essentially. Uh, Mona, again, just uh, just to kind of wrap up everything that we've heard now, and and it's so amazing to hear individuals' journeys and, and hear them from their their worst moments to their new life moments and. Uh, just the, the spirituality that's coming from Laura, which is so fantastic. Again, uh, for all the negative you know, that there is, there's so much positive when you hear something from there, Laura like that. There is. There's a lot of positive, and it's, it's about choices. It's life choices. So I encourage everybody to choose positive and get the help. You're in charge. 
Take charge. And don't be embarrassed. Go and, and talk to someone. It is okay. And I'm sure, Laura, that must have been something you struggled with as well. How, did you ever feel embarrassed about everything that happened? Absolutely. I felt embarrassed for years, even in recovery. I, I wouldn't share my story with anybody. I wouldn't admit to anybody that I was an alcoholic because there is that stigma attached to it, right? Uh, and, and I want that stigma removed. Um, we're all the same. We're just, I, I was just ill and, and I needed help. I was mentally ill and I needed help to recover. And I find that um, I'm proud now because now I, I, have, I have come down a path that has been very hard uh, and grueling, but life is just so much better now. So I, I encourage nobody to be embarrassed. Um, we're all human. And uh, Mona, that goes for families as well, because you know it's so easy for families to turn their back on someone. They should they should be right there talking with the with the person or getting help on on their own to what to help get the the tools in the toolbox that they need to help their their loved one get through something like this. There's no shame in a family as well who may have a child dealing with an addiction. That's right. I mean, the stigma around all of this has got to go to the wayside because we're losing precious lives. Uh, Laura Benasaki and uh, Mona Stott, uh, thank you guys so much for coming in today. Laura, thank you so much specifically for sharing your story. We really appreciate it. Uh, we have uh, a mental health uh, talk once a month with Mona Stott and a special guest, and we will do that again. Thank you guys so much for coming in today. We really appreciate it. Thank you for thank having you. me.